it's not your boss's job. It's not your CEO's job to make sure you're the best prepared person when you show up to work. It is your job. And if you don't approach that with an impatience to get every ounce of knowledge you can out of every single second, then you're, again, you're failing yourself. Have I got a gem of an interview lined up for you today. Zach Hand is going to break down really what is a winning mindset. You've heard the expression, winner's going to win. All right, so the first thing you're going to walk away with is, what do you do if you have no love or passion for your job? Second, what does it mean to be impatient at work? And third, a new idea about risk-taking at work. And then the second topic we're going to handle is having to do with talent and talent strategies, particularly an interview strategy. Sit back and enjoy this great episode with Zach Hand. Well, today I'm joined by Zach Hand, the operational controller at Redwoods Logistics. Zach, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Tony? You've got this winning mindset, this attitude that I think people need to kind of understand. That's what it's kind of what you've used to succeed and get where you are. But the more I think about it, it really seems like quintessential American independence. And I was like, does that sound kind of corny and cheesy? You're like, well, no, with my political background, you know, it, it kind of resonates. Well, why does that, you know, why did that resonate with you? Yeah. I mean, look, the country was founded off of an idea that, uh, we were always going to strive to be a more perfect union. Um, so, you have to go into each and every single day, uh, I would have imagined back then when starting a brand new country, uh, with refusing to fail, uh, getting through every possible, um, hiccup that you can and taking your fate and your destiny into your own hands. And I think nowadays, um, that's rewarded in the job market as well. Um, simply because uh, you're going out, you're getting the information that you need for yourself. You're not waiting on anybody to give it to you. Um, so, you know, you just got to kind of, you know, really take the reins into your own hands and, and be your own uh, best, um, trying to find the right word here, but uh, advertiser essentially, right? Well, yeah. Well, this is really kind of what the theme of winning at work is, is that you have to take learning and development into your own hands and not use any excuses. And I think when, when I first met you, that's really what came through to me. And that's why I wanted you here today is to kind of just share that story because you were telling me, weren't you, aren't you the first uh, in your family to go to uh, college? Correct. Yeah. So uh, what first. was that? So what was that like? What was that motivation? Why, why, why you? That's a great question. It's obviously one I continue to ask myself to this day. You know, I grew up in a town of 4,000, um, didn't have the economic means to really take advantage of a lot of the educational opportunities that were out there when I did graduate high school. So, um, you know, I got lucky with uh, a lot of grant money and a lot of uh, financial aid, but um, – You were smart. That's not luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, you applied but, yourself, but okay. But – you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's about the work that you put in. And I think when you ask why you, uh, I think my answer is uh, because I had to. 
there's really no other reason. Uh, if I didn't go to college, I would still be back in my, my hometown, either uh, coming back from a tour uh, with the military or working in a coal mine. Um, so, And this is that winning attitude, the, the, the winning mindset. And this is what I really wanted to get into. And so when you think of a winning mindset and how you've applied it at work and how you've achieved and gotten to where you are and, and kind of running you know, that portion of your organization, you told me that the best way to describe you was a grinder. What does that mean? How does that translate for people if they want to kind of pull themselves up by the, the bootstraps? What does that mean? How, how can someone put that into practical terms for themselves? Yeah, I think I, my effort every single day is waking up and realizing that I'm never going to be um, the best in my industry. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I can't put every ounce of effort I have into it um, to at least be nipping at their heels and ready for when the next step comes, right? So it's taking my own operational education into my own hands, uh, finding questions to ask myself, finding answers on my own. Uh, it's putting the onus back um, – on the people who do have those answers uh, on opening up. And, you know, it's really about, you know, you, you've got to kind of refuse to fail. Um, yeah. You know, you've it, got it, to- is, it really is that attitude. And I remember there was an old, and I don't know, you're, I don't know if you even remember this, this commercial, you, you may not, but at the time, Hertz rent a car was the number one rent a car. I don't know if they're the number one rent a car, but then you had Avis. And they always positioned themselves as the number two. But because they were number two, they had to work harder. And I think that really resonated with people because there's only one number one and everyone else wants to be there. And I think that's what you're describing is we're number two and we're going to work damn hard to get to number one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, I think there's a select few in the world who get to be the, the top at their positions. Um, the rest of us get to fight for it every single day. And I think um, when you wrap up a day and you've realized, look, I've put 100% into it. I've got nothing left. Uh, I'm 14 hours in. I'm, re- I'm ready to be done. Uh, and, and, you, and you realize that um, you did that. I think there's – uh, something to be gained from that emotionally and mentally uh, to realize that uh, you're on your way to, to outworking everybody else. And as long as I know I've outworked everyone who has the same title as me um, but may have better opportunities than me, I know that I'm better positioned than they are. Some people have a good work ethic. Some people have, some people have a great work ethic perhaps. If you're listening to this and you're listening to Zach and you're thinking, you know, I don't work that hard, you know, you can make the choice to work harder. And I've talked to some career coaches and sometimes if your job doesn't align with your life goals, it's hard to throw yourself into your work. And so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it really sounds like you must get a lot of satisfaction out of the work that you're doing because Someone could come into the office, hear this, and say, yeah, I'm going to work as hard as I can today. But if they hate their job, then you're not going to be able to sustain that. So I do think 
if you can't throw yourself into your job and work 14 hours and just be exhausted at the end of it, you know, maybe you're in the wrong job. Maybe you're in the wrong industry. So I think, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but there must be something, you know, about your job, about your position, about the company that resonates with you in some way, because it's hard to sustain that level of, of pushing yourself if you're not getting some other kind of uh, satisfaction. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'll, I'll, I'll even take a step back and, and tell uh, everyone listening that I've been in that position where uh, I walk into the office and from the second I've been awake to the first foot I step into the building, I dread every single second of it. And I, you know, you you have to realize that at some point, one, it's not healthy. And two, you're never going to care enough about your output to where it's going to make a difference for that company. So you're doing yourself a disservice uh, by continuing to be unhappy, and you're doing the company that you work for at the time a disservice as well by not being able to put in 100%. And look, I've been there. Uh, I've waited too long to make a decision to pull out and, and go find something else. But you know, at the end of the day, that's where I started to uh, realize that, you know, slinging freight on the bid boards for a, a large multinational corporation uh, to get loads picked up for customers wasn't what I wanted to do. So I took the time that I had while I was at work and after work to, one, get my master's, and two, teach myself everything I could about data science, about business analysis, about consulting. And I put myself in a position to be uh, at least considered for those jobs when they came up. And, you know, I got to tell you the the amount of work and the, the amount of effort I put into that uh, when I did put my resume back up online paid dividends. Uh, you know, that's that's the, the proof in the pudding that, you know, even if you're miserable, find the time to get something you didn't have before. Gain some knowledge and some sort of avenue uh, that you do care about because you have the time uh, the efforts there. And I think that's when you'll start to find yourself caring and being excited about what you're going to learn next. Right. So, you know, when I was getting my master's, I was, I was working, you know, a full 10 hour day and coming home and, uh, I'd be up until three or 4 AM and then I'd do it all over again, starting at 7 AM. So, but I loved the topic so much that it didn't really matter. I was tired, dog tired, but knowing that I was learning something that I was truly passionate about kept me driving forward. That is sinking your teeth into something you're passionate about and not letting go. Uh, I don't know why this, this is not a, a biblical or a religious uh, podcast at all, but that just reminds me of the story of Jacob's ladder where he's wrestling with the angel and he won't let go. Finally, his nature is changed and then he goes through the name change. Yeah, that just kind of hit me. You know, you just kind of struggle. You just have to kind of struggle with it until you you go through that change. You also said that uh, you kind of touched on this. Part two of this winning mindset is this impatience. What what does that mean exactly to be impatient at work? It means you know I'll, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, but it's it's strictly about not waiting for somebody to give you anything. Uh, it's not your boss's job. It's not your CEO's job to make sure you're the best prepared person when you show up to work. It is your job. And if you don't approach that with an impatience 
to get every ounce of knowledge you can out of every single second, then you're, again, you're failing yourself, right? Even if you sit in a meeting and you don't say a word, your attention had better be fully focused because those are the moments where you get to read people, you get to read situations and use that as your knowledge base moving forward when you're in those situations. Because even if I wasn't confident enough to speak up in my first 10 meetings, you better damn well believe that in my next 100, I said something at least once. I made sure that my voice was heard at least once in every single meeting that I was in. And with that, you know, I went out and I gained the knowledge to not sound like a yokel um, who just <laughs> showed up at, at Macy's for the first time and was like, wow, right? I, I went and I learned what I needed to learn before each meeting. And if I didn't do that, then, yeah, I, I deserve to be called out for being unprepared and, and being uh, not able to really handle the, the sacrifices of the job. I have to imagine you'd be very demanding of the people, you know, who work underneath you or people that you work very closely with that they don't show some kind of, of passion or <laughs> I think you're laughing. Uh, yeah. So do you expect, I mean, how do you train and still or get that kind of mindset in other people? Do you look for it when you're hiring? How do you find that? Or do you have to kind of constrain yourself and realize, hey, not everybody's like me? It's uh, a little from column A and a little from column B. You do have to understand that not everybody uh, is going to to show up their first day um, soaking wet because they missed a train but still ready to get to work. And you've also got to uh, look for specific pieces of a person's character to see if they're a soldier or a general. Now, we'll explain that. Yeah, so look, the workforce needs both, right? They need soldiers who show up every single day who may not be interested in taking the next step in their career, but do the work and do it well. Uh, they're not going to be missing work. They show up, and they're at their desk ready to go to work. And it also needs generals who are willing to step up and take the lead and put the effort in and lead by example. You're out there on the battlefield with them every day doing the exact same things that they are, but you're a step above and you're putting yourself in the best possible position to uh, be the next in line. It's being that number two at every given moment and ready for when number one either takes a leave of absence, retires, quits. That number two is next in line and you've taken every single second that you've had at that job and made the most out of it and made them realize that you're the best person for the job when that opening comes about. Uh, we have kind of coined a phrase internally. You have Air Force and you have Army and kind of the same same idea there. Is, you know, the Air Force is, they are definitely a couple layers above. They're still on the same playing field, but they're, they, they are flying at a higher level. They are moving faster. They have a, a greater vision. They see the few, they, they see further out. You also mentioned, it's kind of interesting, because you definitely seem like a risk taker, but you talked about, you know, taking a risk, knowing how to take a risk, taking a risk, kind of pushing up through the hierarchy. You know, some people are, they are fearful, you know, of moving up. They don't know what it's going to require of them. Maybe they've gotten comfortable. But that, I think you said that was definitely kind of part of your mindset was that you're, you're not afraid to 
take that risk and, and push up. So, yeah, and I, it, for me, I think it may be a bit different uh, than those who have uh, been in a job for a long period of time and uh, have been okay with where they're at uh, and have a potential next step to take. For me, I always feel like I have exactly nothing to lose. If I felt like there was ever anything that I could give up that were that would be greater than what I could gain by taking a risk, I wouldn't do it. However, uh, me being me uh, and coming from where I came from, I I realized that you know a majority of the time I'm playing with borrowed time. So you know I I really don't think uh, in the grand scheme of things that the world had college in the books for me, but. I made it happen. Um, you know, I really didn't think that uh, the world had a career in logistics for me, but it happened. Well, it's kind of, it sounds to me like part of your attitude is you have house money. You have some free house money. And in a way, you know, you've gone to Vegas. You weren't expecting to hit it big, but man, look at all these extra chips. Why not? Why not push a few more in and just keep pushing and see where I can go? Is that is sort of what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, again, it, if I had anything to lose, uh, you know, I wouldn't do it. But my mindset is that, you know, as long as you're smart about, you know, if you decide to take that leap that you save some money, uh, that you have a little bit of a cushion and you can be apart from work for, you know, a period of time until you find that that next best thing for you, or it finds you, uh, then go do it. Um, if you're living hand to mouth, uh, I understand the risks associated with it. Um, and the fear that that brings into people it's, it's living with your everyday reality and making the best possible decision for yourself. For me, I've been lucky enough to, to make good money at what I do. And, you know, it's afforded me more opportunity than some people. Um, and I don't take that for granted. So when I, when I do make that switch again, that's why I put every ounce of effort I have into everything I do. Um, otherwise I'm doing a disservice to myself. I'm doing a disservice to, to the people who, you know, I may hire, uh, down the road and, uh, not be the best representation of the company I work for of myself. So, um, you know, if, if I do make those, those risks or do take those risks, then, you know, uh, along with it comes the, the burden of putting the work in. Yeah. And I think that's it because you, you had said that you kept pushing to get higher up through the, the kind of the, the chain or, you know, the bureaucracy or just the hierarchy. And I guess to, to do that, you have to kind of break break free of limitations because you might look at another layer up and think, well, those people in that position, they have X or I don't have X or they need X number of years experience. And I don't have that. I don't think that, I think that's the message also that, that you're delivering is that you need to kind of break out of those mental molds that say you're not ready for something. You know, when you look at job boards today, the uh, requirements of uh, what some of these companies are looking for are, you know, I got to say it, they're just outlandish. And I think what that does is it really turns off highly capable people who don't have a specific niche requirement that you're asking for 
and don't have the time or the resources to go get it. You know, some certifications in IT cost thousands of dollars and it requires an inordinate amount of time to go study and, and make sure you pass and get your certification. Not everybody has that, but if given the resource or if given the belief behind them by a leader who got to know them and understood what their capability truly was, then I think uh, you're going to open a lot more people up to what these quote-unquote specialized jobs are and see that they will outperform a lot of people who have highly specialized degrees in the exact uh, job title that, that you want. If you're a hiring leader, I, I hope you I hope that sinks in and really goes to heart because when you try to hire someone exactly from your industry or with previous experience doing almost the same job, you really are locking out a lot of people who have skill, but they may not have the knowledge that you want. And I was talking to someone else and they said when they hire, they look for skill, not knowledge, because knowledge can be gained, but skills you know, that's, you, you have a skill set. You come in with a certain skill set and that's what they want. And that to me, you're defining that. that. That's very, very clear. I wish, I really wish more companies hired like that. And I think there are probably some positions in a company that maybe they take more of a chance and do that. Maybe that's maybe a little more entry level. They might try that. But certainly when you get into the higher level roles, they, they want a, almost like hit this bullseye if you want to work here. Well, you're you're forcing yourself into a a limited supply yep and and look like you know i don't know what my next step is but in the in the role i'm in now if i were to look across the same type of vertical and not necessarily in the exact same industry you're looking at the big four consulting firms right mccain or mckinsey bain uh kpmg however Accenture. yep however I'm not qualified. So, right. well, yeah, well, just in the same way we talked about, right? Yep, uh, you know, on exactly. paper. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's hard to get past those, um, you know, the, the, the automated resume bots and everything else that filter out resumes and, and all this other stuff. But, you know, uh, I think there are some tactics a person can take. Um, well, let me jump uh, in real quick before yep, you get ahead. into your tactics. Well, no, you know what? I, I'll hold mine because I, I, I want to see if you bring up the tactic I was thinking. So go ahead. It's searching out a person with the title that you want at that company in whatever forum you can, and likely it's going to be LinkedIn, and making a friend of them, and asking them asking them the questions about what it takes to be where they're at, and if you can if you can get decent and honest answers from from something like that, then you're well on your way to at least putting yourself in a better position. And number two, what it affords you is somebody that you've built somewhat of a relationship with, um, that can that can vouch for at least some of what you are as an employee and as a person. Yeah, a uh, reference of some sort. Yep, to that hiring manager. And I think number two, what you can do is, you know, th in this day and age, right now, not so much, but before the pandemic and everything else, there were tons of meetups across Chicago for, for different industries and different people. Go to those if you can and, and be a part of some sort of organization or some sort of weekly meeting of like-minded people uh, 
that can open your horizons up and at least introduce yourself to some different people in some different uh, industries and verticals. They see how you show up. They see your mentality. They see all the other quality skills and traits. They're not looking at a resume. They're just judging you as a person. They see your integrity, your character, and you know how you look at them in the eyes. And you know some people get a good vibe on that, and that sometimes is enough to get you started in an interview process. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, but I, th I think too, and it goes back to putting the work in. It just showing up to a bar for a meetup with a bunch of you know like-minded industry consultants uh, isn't going to get you in the game, right? You've got to show up and you've got to be heard. You've got to introduce yourself. You've got to work it, right? You can't just show you up. You got to hustle. And, and, you got to hustle. Yep. Can't sit in the corner. You got to make sure that yeah. Uh, There's the grinder. They remember it, we, we, yeah. this is the grinder mentality. There's the impatience, you know, yep. go, go and, and do it. Any other tactics? I haven't heard the one I'm thinking of yet. That's really all I got for well, right both now. Both of those are very good. They're very yeah. good. I had another guy on, um, uh, Dave boss, and he breaks down a very similar strategy as to what you're taught discussing. So if, if someone wants to hear more on the strategy, just look up the episode on Dave boss. And he lays it out beautifully, and you're you're spot on, Zach, with what he's describing. Um, the tactic I was going to say is you need to work with a recruiter because you see the recruiter, a smart recruiter, will ignore a lot of the qualifications and spend time just talking to really smart people, uh, taking the time to talk to people who don't fit in that box, and then that recruiter can kind of fill that gap that you're talking about, those recruiting bots and HR and all those roadblocks, the recruiter can blast through all of that and say, no, 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 trust me. And no, granted, you're not going to be able to do that for every job, but um, a really good recruiter that's in your corner can help you overcome some of those obstacles. Yep. And it, it, I think you hit the nail on the head, someone that's in your corner, because I've worked with one that was, uh, and I think, you know, he's entirely responsible for the reason I'm where I'm at now because uh, I'll get into that in a second. But I've also worked with recruiters who just need to fill a number. Yep. And quota driven it, people. Exactly. And it is highly, highly depressing <laughs> when you do realize and you do think that you're qualified for it and you realize that. Uh, a game's been ran on you and uh, they you don't were never, it, oh God. <laughs> and you were never really given a true shot. Um, you know, when we talked the last time, I think the, the first thing that came to my mind and re recalling past interviews was rapport building, uh, with your interviewee, right? So, you know, it's about making sure that you spend the time actually getting to know someone on a level that is above what you can read from a resume and what you can read from pre-canned questions, right? So, um, you know, and I'll kind of touch back on what you just said about your situation with a recruiter um, and being in that interview. It's if someone were to come in uh, at a past employer and interview with me, I never walked in with any piece of paper. I read their resume first. Uh, it mattered. Uh, to at least gain some sort of understanding about, you know, what kind of uh, logical type thinker they were. But that's about it for me. And I didn't really care for pre-canned questions that HR wanted me to ask. Uh, to me, that's not what's important. 
what's important is showing them that one, you're present and two, that you actually want to get to know them. Because I've sat in rooms where, like you said, no one has ever looked up from a piece of paper that they've been asking questions on and writing, you know, side notes on. And it's, it, it's, it comes across as a place that I don't want to work, that isn't welcoming, that's just looking for a specific key word. Um, I'm more interested in getting to know that type of person. And it kind of goes to what do I look for in a candidate um, as well. So. No, you hit the nail on the head. What you're, what the, the, the broader topic, and we're really not going to get into this today, but the broader topic is the employment brand or how do you put forward the culture of the company when you meet someone. And I think the, the, the nonverbal communication and all the messaging you're giving someone just by making them feel important and special and you're focusing on them, it just makes them, it just put, it disarms them and they instantly have a really good feeling uh, and good thoughts about the company. And I'll just add, so you and I could probably go through and rattle off companies that have done a horrible job of interviewing. And, you know, when we're not, you know, recording an, uh, you know, a podcast, uh, I won't mention them here, but you probably mention them to other people, you know, in the privacy of, of a conversation, you might say such and such company did a horrible job. And I've done that. And that's the old principle of, you know, you tell a bad story about seven times. Um, you don't tend to always retell good stories, but the really negative things, it's just kind of human nature. So you're really damaging your company if you, if you don't treat the person to the level of respect that you're talking about. And when you do, of course, you, you kind of, you do build that brand, but I think the negative consequences are, are far worse. 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, I will not hide, um, my antipathy for, certain organizations and, and how they hire and how they interview people and, and how they treat people once they are hired. Um, you know, I, it takes a lot to keep good people. Um, and you really have to put the effort in as a company uh, from day one that you meet that individual. Whether or not you believe they're the right fit, um, treat them with respect. Treat them like they could be your boss one day. And, and make sure that they understand that you actually cared about them coming in and interviewing for the open position. Um, <laughs> I totally agree. And that's a great if, point. Like I said, I mean, I think, like I said, it sounds common sense, but it was important for us to touch on it. Um, well, Zach, I know you weren't expecting to, to answer this, but I'd like to just, I mean, I like people, I'd like for you to tell people a little bit about your company, about Redwood Supply Chain Solutions. You, um, I think you're, you're someone that people probably, that they hear your story, they probably resonate with it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company, what you guys do, and uh, if people want to connect with you, maybe kind of tell people how they can find you. Yep. So at Redwood, uh, we are a uh, global 3PL uh, that uh, operates in managed transportation services uh, as well as uh, technology services. So I work on a team that uh, delivers the technology piece of it. Um, so what we do is we work with clients to uh, develop uh, and implement uh, transportation management systems for them uh, that allow them to gain efficiencies uh, across their entire supply chain. 
on top of that, uh, we've been working diligently over the last uh, couple years to develop what's called Redwood Connect 2.0, which is our proprietary integration platform. Uh, we call it a logistics as a service uh, platform. And what that allows customers to do is not worry about any type of data translation on their end. We handle all that within our platform uh, and then make sure that those objects and, and data types are sent into the TMS for them to be able to manage. Um, so that's that's really where we're at. We're uh, uh, essentially a consulting firm with inside a, you know, transportation and logistics company. And, uh, you know, it's been a blast. The culture's great. Uh, you know, I, I work with a lot of people who, truly care about uh, what we're delivering to clients. Uh, and I think it shows every single day. Well, what I'm going to do when, when people are hearing this, if they want to specifically find you and, and find your company, I'm going to link this episode. It'll be on social media and it'll be everywhere, but I'm, I'm, I use MeWe a little bit more these days. So I'll, it's uh, a competitor to Facebook as you, as you probably know. And, um, I'll put some links in there so people can, can find you and they can find more about the company. Any chance you guys are hiring and you would want people to kind of check y'all out? Is, is there a, a, is there a one area that's hotter than others? Uh, we are hiring. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a, a pretty big push for our team. Uh, we need people with the same titles, uh, as I do, which is a solution controller. So it's, it's acting as a project manager slash consultant, uh, slash, uh, subject matter expert and anything else you want to throw into the, uh, the old box there, uh, to <laughs> tie up with a nice bow, but you know, we're the jack of all trades and, uh, you know, we're client facing. So, uh, we've got that, we've got some support roles as well that I think are open. Uh, and, uh, along with, uh, our Mercury gate side, which is, uh, the TMS that we implement, we also have an, uh, Oracle team that works alongside of us. So, uh, we're also looking for highly talented people on the Oracle side and, and people who want to go have some fun. Well, there you go, folks. Redwood Supply Chain Solutions, uh, 3PL with a, with, with a technology slash consulting, uh, slant to it. Uh, Zach, this has been great. I really love, uh, love the story. I just, I love the, you know, pulling yourself up by the boots. Um, I think we can all benefit by taking some of your attitude with us. And certainly if you're not passionate about what you do, then you need to find something that you are. And, uh, if you're working for someone and the situation's not right, go to them, talk to them, try to see if you can make that situation better. Um, so many people kind of refuse to do that. They don't try to work out their problems at work and they just think they'll just change jobs. But a lot of those problems are going to return to you. So try to get them fixed where you're at. And uh, if you can't fix it, then then you, then you know with, with a clear conscience you can move on. So... Uh, Zach, great, uh, great talking to you today. Thanks for being here. No problem. Thank you, sir.